2: My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm an associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And our regular panel is with us today. That's Pastor Mac, P. Mac, Don McDonald, who is the pastor at Danforth Reform Church in Danforth, Illinois. And Pastor Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman, in gulfport mississippi i like the way that josh put it one time and i've started using it with that this is the number one rated broadcast or podcast featuring a baptist a reformed and a nazarene pastor from mississippi ohio and illinois so there's not not too many qualifiers there but uh, we, we hope that you're enjoying listening and we hope that uh, you tell people about this and today uh, we've kind of gone back and forth during our broadcasts talking about uh, scriptures and and various different scriptures, but today we're just going to be looking at scripture in general. And in fact, it's kind of more going to be along the lines of how do we view the scriptures? What do we believe about the scriptures? What do we say about the scriptures themselves? What uh, what authority do they have? And um, you know that sounds so easy. But when you think about it, is there's a lot of difference in the way some people view the Scriptures. Now, I want to go on record from the beginning, guys, as saying that I believe the Bible is God's Word. No question about it. So nothing that I'm going to say today, I don't want anything that I say today to be misconstrued, to make it sound like I believe it to be anything but God's Word. Um, and if I don't know if either of you guys want to make that uh kind of statement before we start or or, or get into it as we go what, what do you think
1: i guess you know what i was thinking about too is when we look at scripture even if we have tension in the discussion tension is healthy because we're open to learning and we're open to hearing one another as we're dealing with scripture and you know, my feelings have always been, you know, it's theonutos, it's all God-breathed. I'm running with Second Timothy 3.16, you know, for all scripture is God-breathed. And, you know, we, we have these discussions, I mean, in the life of the RCA, one of the reasons we're imploding is over humaneutics. What is humaneutics? Humaneutics is the way we interpret scripture. And so even within our own world of the rca there are great debates about how scripture is used how scripture is viewed um i am definitely more on the conservative side i see it being very much used every day i believe in you know uh, so much of living out scripture of being a reconciler i believe in you know just all the things we're called to but it it is a struggle you know, to really look at scripture and how to put the pieces together. And I know Josh and I, we sort of kid back and forth, him being a good old Baptist and I'm being a good old reformer. But I, I think there's so much, and here's the words I wanna use, there's so much beauty in scripture. And somehow we walked away from the beauty for the sake of too many cultural arguments that we're trying to put over scripture rather than l- allowing scripture to lead and breathe. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at. I don't know, Josh, how about you?
0: The, this is, uh, this is something I think that we're, we're talking about this because I wrote about it not too long ago and that got us talking off, off camp or off, uh, audio and everything about it. Now we're, we're starting to talk. I, I'm, uh, what you would call an inerrantist, meaning that I believe scripture, uh, was given by God and contains no in the way it's not intended to error within it. Um, And I think that the issues that we're having in the church come down to um, the way that we see the divine authorship of the Bible and the, uh, the amount we see that God is responsible for the divine authorship of the Bible um whereas i think today in 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 the church we have christians and i think they're probably at least most of them good christians who read the bible two different ways i think the first way is they read the bible they say i believe this is god's word and then they get to a part of the bible that they believe is not fair or not something that the god they believe in would would claim and the stance they take is that i don't believe god would say or want something like this, so I need to wrestle with it until it begins to say what I think it should. And the other I'll, the other way that people read it is um, simply like this. The Bible says something. I believe it's God's word. If I don't agree with it, that means I'm in the wrong and I need to figure out what it's saying so that I can order my life around what the Bible intends. Um, and so I believe typically what you find is uh, in the church, um, people that have trouble saying that God would say something like this and people ha- that have trouble saying that I'm not on the same page that God is on. Um, so that that's just, we're talking about opening statements. And so I just kind of want to get that, that out of the way. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's kind of, sums it
2: up really well, I think. Um, I don't know how much we want to get into what a- other people believe without the Bible or how much you want to talk about who we think the quote real Christians are or whatever. I mean you know, there are, I know there are people who profess Christianity in denominations um I would call them more liberal or progressive than what I would be who really don't even have that high of a view of scripture some of them question whether or not certain books of the bible were written for instance by paul or by you know whoever it might be um some of them question if certain things were actually included in the original bible i i I don't know what to do with those types of people who think that way now I don't want to judge them because bottom line is I believe that the Bible is is, is again as I said God's word and I believe that um, they don't have to answer to me they have to answer to God and they will answer to God um, that's very clear Romans Romans fourteen talks about that very much that uh, people have to answer to God not to me but at the same time all three of us are pastors all three of us are in in because of that authorities. And people look to us for answers. And Pete, and aren't, we
0: told, aren't we told to judge other people in
2: the faith? In the faith, sure. But at the same time... You just claimed they were in the faith. <laughs> but but at the same time, there are things that are what they call disputable matters. This is Romans 14, talks about disputable matters. So, you know, can we define what a disputable matter is? You know, I, I don't know that the Bible defines what is that disputable matter. So the bottom line is they have to stand before God. And that, that's that's where the tension is in there. I can't always say that I have all the answers, which is kind of unfortunate because, shoot, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have all the answers, you know? And yeah. and I know you guys always have every single answer biblically, and it's just down, down pat. But I have to confess, I don't always have all the answers.
1: I, I want to take a step back to that. You know, years ago when I was in seminary, you know, James has in there that those who teach and preach are going to be held more accountable than those that don't. And and that really, for me, when it comes to preaching and teaching, it's all about scripture. It's all, you know, I'm, I'm working through the Ten Commandments. I'm doing more of a topical sermon series on the Ten Commandments than I am textual. And by that, textual means that I take verse by verse and I preach a chapter out of the Bible where topical means I look at a particular thing this week, it's going to be the, I am of God. You know, what does that mean? I am God, you know, as we look at the first commandment there, and it's all about bringing scripture to life and using scriptural text to journey in through that. So I, I basically learned early in the game that the most important thing to do as a pastor is bring scripture to the forefront now that's not true for all RCA pastors. Some bring more the, you know, go with the word you used, the progressives, Pete, bring out more about okay, as we're dealing with culture and culture is becoming more inclusive, um that means we need to loosen up our reign and how we approach scripture so that culture speaks more than scripture, you know, and and I you know, we we struggle, I think the churches that are leaving the RCA One of the hallmark things that's being said is while we know that the alternate lifestyle is wrong and counter to scripture, we're still called to work with those and love those who are struggling with that lifestyle. So it's a fascinating tension of of putting all that together. You know, in, in my mind, when I'm looking over scripture, especially The goal is how do we make scripture so it's relevant and personal and intimate in application? And and I like what Josh said. You know, you deal with those who are journeying through scripture. They know they're far from scripture and now they got to go back to scripture and figure out how all this works and how they can fit scripture into their life. You know, being in an era, which I am too, that's really what scripture is about. You know, what I always tell my folk Is, you know, where the old nature is being put to death and new is coming. It's a process. That's not a one-time act. And it happens through reading scripture and letting scripture just bathe and bathe and bathe in you. You know, I've had people come to Christ 15 years later as we've been pouring in their lives. So it's an ongoing process. And um, I just feel that it's not a... The words I will use, hard, cold, this is what it is, sometimes you say, this is how I understand it, now let's have a conversation. And I think that's where I get in trouble with, you know, i.e., in in Josh's circle, the Baptists see me as being a liberal, while the Reformers see me as being a conservative, which is the most fascinating thing. Um,
0: the Baptists are right, though.
1: Always. <laughs> yes, dear. Um, that's how I've survived 40 years of marriage. Yes, dear. Um, <laughs> But there, there is that, you know, and, and I've come to the conclusion, Pete, when it comes to the discussion of Scripture and of these issues that are really blowing the church up, I take a deep breath, take a step back. It's like Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and sort of say, what are the things that are most important as we're dealing with Scripture in our lives and work out from there? So it's, it's not, I agree with you, Peter, it's not an easy answer and we're all trying to figure out in the life of the church how to bring scripture to life so that it's relevant so that it is applicable and yeah there are things in there that people aren't going to like but that's there's things in life we don't like let's be honest mm-hmm. so, Josh I see you turning as you're snacking there he's going yeah. down french fries as we speak
0: so so um I'm just going to say I think that we're where we are as a church, far from God, because we went through a period where we were super legalistic about everything. And then the reaction to that is we became super grace-focused. And we say things like, you know, it's not our place to judge and we shouldn't call. And, you know, we just have a different theology here and all that. I just want to bring up two things. This is 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13. I'm going to read both. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Then it goes on to say, God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, so this isn't even just from 1 Corinthians, you must remove the evil person from among you. So then I take a jump over to Jesus talking about any of those who would lead the little ones away. And his pronunciation on them or pronouncement on them is it would be better for a millstone to be tied around their neck. In Revelation, people are called out for not calling out sin in their church to the extent where Jesus literally says, if you don't fix it, I'm going to remove your functionality as a church. You will no longer be a light. And I'm just going to tell you, there are pastors today because of the way they read the Bible that are leading other Christian people into sin. And for me, just because I see the the past like it is, I don't think that we have the leeway to say, oh, well, that's just a different way of looking at it. Um, if I'm an inerrantist, I think an inerrantist is a very important doctrine. Um, and if I think if somebody says, you know what, Paul's a bigot. Um, we don't really need to pay attention to what he says in Romans. I mean... <sighs> I, I don't see a lot of more important because we only know we only know God through the Bible. I mean, well, that, that's not the right way to say it, but the only we only know the specifics we do, the, the theology, the theological depth we do because of Scripture. And if somebody says, you know what, um, um, the Bible is is not really right here. It's just a tale of God's relationship with man, which has become really popular in progressive circles, too. It's just man trying to describe how God related to him and all this kind of stuff. I feel like that is leading people, uh, children, and, and we always say children is a thing, but I think in Scripture, children could easily be someone who's weak in the faith or young in the faith um leading them I think that 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 there's no clearer imperative in scripture than for for us to call that out and to deal with it we're called we're told all over the place to deal with false teachers um and so i i I understand and you know it's fine if we disagree or whatever I understand what we're saying about you know what we need to be not not so dogmatic or so legalistic or whatever but I think the reason we're where we are is because we allowed people to say, you know what, we were so hard on people that we just need to say whatever goes. Because literally that's what we've said. Whatever goes. You can look at mainline churches all over America and it's that same thing. Whatever goes. We need, for the sake of unity, let's just smile and hold hands and sing Kumbaya and watch while they lead people into sexual immorality while we're saying, you know what, I don't think God would really want that for us. But but maybe... um. I think we got to develop a backbone about scripture. <laughs> sure, and I think though that part of what I've been thinking
2: about, because you know, we we kind of talked last time we 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 ended our last uh, podcast, and we kind of stopped there, and we kind of said, "Hey, this might be the direction we're going to go this week." So my mind and thoughts and and stuff have been on it, been praying a little bit about it, and um, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit differently though when it comes to the inerrant talk because to me what you're describing josh isn't so much people who would how do i say this i don't think that the question would be is the bible inerrant i think that they're even talking is it relevant you know, when I think of the discussions between inerrant versus infallible, versus- or is it
0: trustworthy? Is it divine or Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. To me, when we when we deal with people who are talking, I, I, I've heard I've heard arguments be, between inerrant and infallible. You know, well, by golly, they're both saying it's the word of God. You know, I again that's where I come from. This is the word of God. You know, but at the same time, where. Where is there room for, for understanding? I mean, there are different translations that will translate words differently. One, I, I don't have the, the um, passage in front of me right now, but for the longest time and from what I have read from the Greek, uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Well, in the last 10, 15 years, translations have started to look at it and say the kingdom of God is among you. Well, wait a minute, which one is it, you know? And so which one is infallible or which one is inerrant? And 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 I came up with these words, and this may be off the beaten path here, but this is what I came up with. The Bible was inspired. So there's the inspiration. That's the inspiration that God gave the, the authors. No problem with me saying that that is inspired but then you have to deal with that called the three t's transcription transmission and translation and all those things I think have because we don't all speak um, ancient hebrew we don't all speak um koina greek and in fact the 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 new testament words our koina Greek is translated from what Jesus probably spoke in Aramaic. You know, so where, what are we calling the the inerrant part? I have no problem calling it inerrant that what God inspired the writers to originally write was inerrant. No question about that. But then it starts to come down to. Why are we having different translations in English? What does this say in um, in in Swiss or in German or in Japanese or in Chinese or whatever, as opposed to in English?
0: You know um, what, what's interesting. There's there's a bunch of different ideas about that. I'm I'm an inerrantist in the original text that God gave originally, okay. and I believe that the whole point is to get back as close to that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you agree. Ever study- if you ever study the Dead Sea Scrolls, what you'll find is over about a thousand years, there was very little loss of what was given. And so we tend to think that God also protected the the, the process of getting the scripture from there to us. But if I ever find something older than the Dead Sea Scrolls, what I would say is, OK, if we can trust this. We, and we must know if there's a difference there, then I'd probably go with the older just because I sure. want to get close where they say the water closest to the well is the most um, Yeah pure or whatever
2: exactly exactly and, and i i agree with that and that, well, that's, that's where i'm but, going
0: but there's also among like uh people who are king james only mm-hmm. who believe that and I, and I hope i say this right it's kind of kind of like this that god divinely protected and inspired the process that brought us to i forget the 16 whatever king james sixteen eleven and, yeah So that the 1611 King James version in English is the inerrant word of God. Yep. And so there's no reason then to go back to any further than that because God brought that to us. Now, the only issue with that is that's English. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also no record of, you know, anything where in scripture it would say anything like that. But the bigger thing is in Spanish. (laughs) Well, they would say, well, God has his own version in Spanish that's also protected and also in Swahili or something. I I don't know. To me, that falls apart a little. I want to believe that, but I'd still rather get back as close as possible to the actual words Jesus said. But what you said about which version or anything like that, I think is is, – I just don't think it's an issue because they all come from the same Greek, the oldest Greek and the most reliable Greek. They all come from the most reliable uh, Hebrew and the oldest – You know, reliable Hebrew. They all come from the oldest Aramaic and stuff like that. So I think the language issue is a lot less of an issue for me. If we mistranslated something, we'll eventually figure it out because we have the older version. Um, But then there are the other people that just say, look, what we have is a tale of how God worked within a culture. And so we need to take that and put it into our culture's writings. But to me, that I, I think that falls apart doctrinally and i think it falls apart in my understanding of what's important about the scripture but sorry, mm-hmm. right, go ahead no
2: that's good and, and i think don had a, a great uh, point before we talk about the hermeneutics of things um because we we need to learn we need to understand um you know how much of it was literal how much of it was hyperbole how much of it was illustrative illustrative excuse me let me use the proper word um you know uh, one of the big ones that i've that i remember and this is not a joke i i heard this um from a friend of mine when i was in college many many moons ago whose dad was a pastor and apparently somebody came into the pastor's office with his eye all bloodied saying that the bible says i should remove my eye if it causes me to sin you know and and I mean to me I think all of us would say well wait a minute that's hyperbole we're not really supposed to do that um but you know that that's an extreme case then you get the people who say well the genesis story was just a story it was just a poem it what didn't really happen i'm sorry i disagree with that i think it really happened i think noah and the ark really happened i think jonah really happened um jesus even referred to jonah he didn't just refer to a story of jonah he referred referred to the prophet jonah that kind of gives credence to the fact that this truly happened
0: um but but i think whether those happen or not still doesn't go into whether they're divinely inspired or not because it it could be that those are telling a tale that happened a little that is supposed to be taken like you said allegorically or something like that that god gave it to be taken allegorically and we just don't understand it um i think we're going to find that out later but (laughs)
2: okay that's that's fine it looks like don's leading in he wants to say something
1: Hi, I'm here, by the way. Yes.
2: <laughs> the second week in a row we've done that to you, Don. I'm sorry.
1: I'm not. Um, I, you know, I'm listening to all this and my mind is racing many different directions, but I, I think one of the things that really comes to mind, I I was anticipating this conversation a little bit. What do you do with Songs of Songs? you know, because there you are, it's, it's about intimacy, okay, you know, when you look on a spectrum, you know, one being allegorical to 10 being literal, you have to do a dance with Song of Songs about the relationship between lovers. Is it the church and Jesus? Is it, you know, you 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 play that game with it, and, and I think When it comes to scripture, there was a phrase, a word that caught my attention that really challenges me and from the pulpit, after preaching almost 35 years, is how do you make scripture relevant? And what gets me going, and this is why I'm still in inerrance, this is why I still believe scripture preaches scripture. Um, If you say that it's Aesop's fables, Scripture has no value. Scripture, you might as well just set it aside, give a nice book report, and go home. You know, and if you're saying, "Wait a minute, it has value. It it's meant to shape our daily lives. It's meant to bring Jesus to life," then it it you want to understand it to its clearest point. You know, like like Josh was saying, um, when we're working on the human unics of preaching. I want to be as close to the original text as possible. That doesn't always make people feel comfortable. But mm-hmm. then preaching isn't about making people feel comfortable. And, well, and you know, I, if
2: they don't feel comfortable, they'll go to the next church.
1: Well, and, and okay. I don't want to even go there, Pete, you know, because we as preachers are called sometimes to make people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, you look at Jesus and when he encountered the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he made him uncomfortable.
2: Have you ever been called a whitewashed tomb?
1: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that's the thing about scripture that really comes to mind, you know, is even if you approach it as a fable, the fables are still uncomfortable sometimes and they're meant to be. Or you approach it as the word of God that is, you know, inerrant,
0: Sharper than any two-edged sword.
1: Yeah, you you really are, you know. And and I think that's the point to me when when I'm looking over Scripture as you're listening to this podcast. Whatever side of the aisle you're on, Scripture's meant to shape your life. Scripture's meant to draw you closer to Jesus and be the light of Jesus. And, And I think, you know, when I'm preaching and teaching, that's the one thing that keeps coming to my mind is, how do I bring Jesus to life? And if I'm an inerrant, which I'm very comfortable with for the record, it's saying scripture's told you this, look all through scripture. Um, and, and so it, it is about bringing scripture to life. So it's relevant. I think that was a key word. I think we all can agree on that. And, and I think that's something where we struggle with. Now I, I, squirrel moment for me because you know when josh was talking about the study of the greek and that i think the best lecture i got in greek interpretation and exegesis which is interpreting
2: you know what that is that's the former italian savior exegesis.
1: Exegesis. anyways i'm back uh thanks pete you're leading me astray oh we like sheep okay i'm back Uh, and by the way i
2: can say that because i'm italian i
1: know that no you're no i won't go there next um Where was I going? Now I just lost it.
2: Exegesis.
1: Is, you know, the use of the English language. Just just look at all the different words and how they've changed meaning in a hundred years. Absolutely. The same is true for Greek. That's why you want to stay as close to the original Greek context as possible. And what gets my eye up is when they start using words for the interpretational grid that are 200 years away from the original Greek. Then yeah, you should be raising a flag. So you know, and that's exegesis. That's what interpretational grid slash humaneutics now. Um, do we use to make scripture relevant? And so I, I was sort of sitting back, listening to all this. Sort of my mind raised to, wow, I can see why people are confused that are looking in, looking from the outside into the church. If if you guys can't agree on this thing called scripture what are we supposed to believe how are we supposed to bring it to life
0: but isn't that why we're supposed to call out when people see scripture as anything less than divine cuz we're supposed to find some kind of unity in the what we what we see the bible as i, I think
1: i and you know what that's ongoing you know that that's a thing that really i i'm, I'm I'm having a hard time with and and it's our culture that you're right, I'm wrong, yeah. therefore I'm walking away from the table because we cool. can't agree on anything. So we're walking away. And you know, the the Reformed Church is experiencing <clears throat> that. We've lost 47% of our confessing membership, of which is conservative, um, because we've stopped talking. Are they right to a point I think they are right walking away? do I feel that strong call to walk away yet? No, because I want to still be involved in the conversation, see where God takes us. There'll come a time where I'll feel the call probably to walk away because of scripture, but I still want to dive in and and sort of have these conversations.
0: Yeah. Can can I ask you a question? It might not be an unfair question. It might not be a fair question.
1: Shoot.
0: Is that Christianity or is that denominationalism that that makes you want to stay around for the conversation.
1: I've never been a good RCA pastor because I'm I'm too Baptist, they tell me. Um, so I want to say it's more Christianity and a willingness. It's like Jesus finding a mm. woman at the well. Yeah. They're not supposed to associate together, they're supposed to be apart, and yet there's Jesus sitting there with a Samaritan woman, no less having a conversation. Granted, I agree with my bad. She
0: wasn't claiming to be a Christian though.
1: No, but they had a conversation. Mm. And the conversation ultimately ended up to her conversion even before the Samaritans were supposed to be converted. And and it 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 to me it's about this is who I am. This is who I am in Christ. This is who I believe Scripture is. Let's continue to have a conversation. Does that mean I <laughs> my progressive brothers and sisters? Absolutely not. But does that mean I'm willing to sit down to have a conversation because Jesus is calling me to love even my enemies? Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And script- that Scripture, bro.
2: And I have the same. I have the same heart. I guess the way to say it. Towards so many people, and I've mentioned them before on this on this podcast, so many people who I went to high school with or college with who have gone into those liberal <clears> um, <throat> denominations, the ones who are, you know, even questioning scripture, I, I, I can't bring myself to walk away from them. I can't bring myself in my prayers to not pray for them the same way that I pray for you guys. Um, because they are professing Christ. I don't agree with a lot of the things that they seem to believe, but they are professing Christ. And that's better than the people who are walking around denying Christ. It,
0: you know, that's better than... But if you're professing Christ and doing damage to the name of Christ in the meantime, mm-hmm. I, I just, I I know just wonder a... how many people have walked away from the faith and it all started with, well, I don't want to create any waves. I don't want to, I don't want to make a a issue out of this. We're called to love each other. And that's why I think that's why I started all all this out is I think we've been in this ultra grace is the most important thing, but I think that grace is supposed to be balanced with truth and grace is supposed to be balanced with following the law and all of this stuff. And so I, I just think, um, what's coming is going to be a real hard jerk away from this ultra grace hippie kind of thing that we've been on for so long because we rejected the legalism of our people before us. Mm-hmm. Um And so I, I don't know, to me, it, how, how about this? What would have to happen for you to say, okay, we can't be part of the same family right now?
2: Well, I think that's a great question. because I was kind of going to go there myself Um, to say, I believe that God is going to need to speak to each one of us. I mean, is there a right and wrong answer when to say, as a pastor, it's time for me to be starting to look for a new congregation? You know, is it time for me to be, you know, all of us, I- including Don, who's been there for 28 years, we've all been pastor of more than one congregation. Something caused us to move. Was that because it was something that was forced upon us? Possibly. It was all, was it it was all money. Of something? What's that? It was all money. Money, yeah. But still, you know, the the point is... I'm just kidding. Oh, I understand. I understand. But but still, there are things that that happen in our lives. And and I believe in the divine leading. I believe that God will will call us and God will, will direct us if we seek him. And, you know, to one, he might say... Don, I want you to stay in this pastorate for 28, 29 years. To another, he might say to me, uh, I, I want you to be there. I I'm not telling you yet, but I'm gonna close that church before you leave. Um, but I want you to move on from there and do something else. You might say to to Josh, you know, Nazarene was great for a while, but I want you to be a Baptist. Um, you know, th- there's not the same, the same answer for every one of us. You know, it's the same kind of thing. How do you deal with it in your own families? If you have family who doesn't believe in Jesus, if you if you have family who is, happens to be um, in a more liberal, progressive uh, mindset in the church than you are, what do you do? When do you decide to say, "Okay, I'm not part of your family anymore"? It's it's there's not a not but, an easy answer.
0: But isn't the clear calling of Scripture that we're supposed to call out false teaching? And we're supposed to call out people who are leading those young in faith and young in age away from where Jesus wants them. And I I hate that our dividing line seems to be drawn in some of the same places where our political lines are being drawn.
2: Yeah.
0: And people keep saying, well, it's not about Republican, Democrat, all this kind of stuff, but there are some issues that are being picked up by political parties that are actually faith issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I hate that we're, we're, we're confused about where those lie because there should not be any. For me, there's no confusion about sexual mora- you know immorality. There's no confusing about the value of life. There's no confusing for me about um, Jesus. And when somebody says, well, he may not have even been a, uh, born of a virgin. What's the big deal in that? that that's a big deal to me. Yeah. And to me, that's big enough to call out if somebody's preaching that. Um, and I'm hearing it more and more lately from people who are saying, you know what, Paul, he he was off base. He just didn't like women and he didn't like, uh, you know, all this. And he was calling out this specific kind of, and even if he was calling out, you know, homosexuality or something else, he was really reflecting on his culture and it's not something worse. And I think people that are saying this are, are creating the right kind of situation and momentum for people to live the faith and i feel like part of my calling at least for the people that god has charged me to be with um and, and whatever other influence i have is to call that out and say this is not uh what i believe at least and and in, as far as i'm called to be a pastor I don't, I don't think this is what christians should believe
2: sure
0: um and so i really wonder if We've been asleep for so long that we've missed the fact that we were supposed to start calling things out about 15 years ago. And we're still under the mindset that it's not really that bad yet. Let's wait and see where it goes. I I, I want you to know there are are, uh, transgender pastors in certain denominations who are outright uh, openly sinning in very, very major ways. And we're saying well, let's see where this leads. I, I don't want to see where it leads anymore. It's yeah. time, it's time to start drawing some lines. And and I think, but I, I just think typically I think this comes back to how we see scripture or what we want out of scripture. Um yeah. so
1: I I find the conversation fascinating because it was published January first, two thousand three and it's a book called the grace and truth paradox responding with christ-like bounce. and it's by randy alcorn um when i was at danforth one of my dear elders and i were having this very debate about how do you apply scripture to discipline in the life of the church and I'm not against discipline at all. I mean, we need to discipline. We need to set standards. So, you know, Josh and I are definitely on the same page. It's just how do we do it? How long do we look the other way? Do we look the other way? How do we respond with discipline so that the love of Christ is still at the center? These type of debates are what we're really having today. But this book, um, it's a good book. I mean, the description says Christians trying to model their... um, lives after Jesus, may find that he gets buried under lists, rules, and formulas. Um, and and so it, it's one of those books that I've shaped my ministry uh, in the light of, you're going off a cliff because you're so busy with grace, you have forgotten about the word. Where do you set the guardrail? And that's the question we're really asking today. You know, as we're talking here, I don't sense any of us having tension about Scripture, I feel we're the direct opposite. We're all leaning in on Scripture. We're all saying, "What are you going to do with Scripture? How do you bring Scripture to life?" And and I think. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Josh. When I go back and read the the uh, original writings of this church when they're translated from the Dutch, it was about shelling peas on on Sunday, and that person was excuse the phrase going to hell for shelling peas on Sunday. And now it's almost like we look the other way too much it, and and it's finding that bounce and and I think that we as a Church of Jesus Christ have to find. A way to bring grace and truth together in such a way that scripture is relevant once more, and and I keep coming back to that. Yeah, I, I see that delightful. Pete's going. Okay, guys, hi. We're at a time limit here, but
2: not so much a limit. But I, I didn't want to interrupt you. You're saying I, some
1: I, great I, things. I feel, and I'll state it as a feeling, that God's word is meant to be loved, adored. It's meant to be poured into our hearts and souls. I hear my grandfather saying as he was getting ready to die, ah, oh, laddie, I'm recalling the 23rd Psalm in French because the French knew how to love. Mm. Scripture yeah. is relevant. Scripture is meant to guide and carry you home to Jesus. Scripture is there at the center of my life because it was the center of my grandfather, my father's life. And that's the thing that really comes to my mind is we can argue of Josh, all night, but the truth of the matter is we still need to be in scripture, no matter how we understand it or look at it.
2: Yeah. I can't think of a better way to end with that. Um, you know, I think, we all probably have a little bit of differences in how we view things. But the bottom line is, I think we all, as you said, Don, the three of us do rely on scripture. We do have a high view of scripture. We do believe that it is God's word. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we just need to follow it. We need to follow as, as, as the scriptures lead us. We need to follow as the Holy Spirit talks to us. You know, that's an interesting thing. When we're reading the scriptures, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to us. We need to follow as he as he wants us to do. So um we've actually gone a little longer today than we sometimes do, but uh I, I I couldn't have found a place to break this off. And I think we could keep going for another you know hour if we wanted to, but um I don't know how to sum it up except to say that we need to keep scripture important. We need to understand that it is God's word, we need to understand that God does speak through his scripture and I'm with you, Josh. We need to make it relevant, especially in the church, but also for people who try to say that the Bible's just some other book. People well, who I, are I believe Jesus the Christians. Bible's
0: relevant. I just think we need to <laughs> we need to share it. but yeah. Uh, yeah, i don't I don't think I can do anything to make the Bible more relevant.
2: well, we we need it's to we literally need to.
0: God speaking to to right. mankind, but I need to understand it so I can relate it to people. Right, And and I like what you're talking about too, Pete, and not to take any more. We do need to understand there are some of it that's supposed to be read different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't get into the inerrancy. That doesn't take away from inerrancy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, God wanted you to read it a certain way. God wanted you to read this part poetically and this part historically and this part prophetically. Um, that doesn't take away from the inerrancy. It makes it more beautiful. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, well, no, that's fine, and yeah, I mean, as I say, we can keep going on this. I guess I'm trying to come up with a summation. You know, when I say to 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 revere the scripture, to 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 love the scripture, to to have a high um, understanding of it, when I'm saying that the word relevant, I mean we need to make sure that we keep it relevant in our teachings, in our preachings, in in our churches. Um because yeah. it isn't something to just be glossed over. It's not something to just say, oh, this part's too hard. Let's not even worry about this part, or or I don't like this part. We don't have to we don't have to worry about it. No, it's all God's word.
0: Yeah. But I, and, I also want to caution just anybody listening to that I, I don't know that it's my place to protect scripture so much because I think God can do that well enough. But the way we know Jesus is through scripture, at least I mean you, you know, we could say I, I don't. I don't need the, the Bible so much because I have, look, everything I know about Jesus. Now I have a personal relationship with Him. I know the Holy Spirit lives in me and and makes things alive that weren't, and all this kind of stuff. But think about all that you know about Jesus that didn't come from the Bible.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's those um, things that didn't come from the Bible that we start got to start questioning about our faith. I think right. Where you get a but lot knowing, of
0: problems. But knowing that, think about if people start chipping away. At what the bible is what it really does is it chips away at what you know about jesus chips away at what you know about the father the spirit it chips away at what you know about the way the early church grew and what the rule you know all this kind of stuff and so I, I don't again i don't know that we're called to protect well i don't know maybe maybe we are maybe that's why we call people out all i know is i believe the bible is a foundation to build my life I don't want to say that the wrong way either. Jesus is my foundation, but that it's His Bible. Word. It's it is it, His word, but it's also the way I know. I mean, think of a systematic theology book you have that doesn't use the Bible. What worth is it? Yeah, I mean, and it, once you take away the authority of Scripture, which is really what a lot of people are attempting to do in the way that they attack the divine inspiration and all. I, I just want to encourage people. And you sum it up probably better than this, but I, we have to revere the Bible above all other books and above all other teachings. And it's not just—I mean, there's no other book in history that was written by more than or 40 or more authors or three continents and three languages, um, in in you know uh, by by people who were every form of life that told one over 1,500 years too that told one specific story about one specific. Uh, uh, God made flesh that, and, and I don't know, there's just nothing like it. And so um, we tend to treat it like it's just another book that we can read the way we, uh, I don't know. I think we we just need to revere it. it.
2: It's almost impossible to be able to have a high enough view of it because mm-hmm. of how, how great it is. And that's why it's so hard to sum up what we've been talking about. And that's why when I use the word relevant or I use the word high view or whatever, yeah. Nothing is adequate. It, it, it's not adequate to say any of those things. So, well, guys, again, I think we've, I think we've made a record now for our, our longest podcast. <laughs> and and that's good, though, because this is an important subject. And uh, rather than have a long sign off, I just want to encourage people, get in your Bible. It is the word of God. You know, if you can't read, there are people who can't read out there. You know that there are people who are illiterate. But, you know, you can listen to the Bible now. You can hear your pastor read the Bible. You can get online. You can hear the Bible read to you. Um, Technology can be wonderful. It can be used for God. Um, So, you know, just get into God's word. Because that's what the Bible is. It's God's word. And we do believe that. And we do believe that it points the way to Jesus. Showing that Jesus is the way to God the Father. Through his reconciling grace. The name of this podcast, Reconciling Grace. So, Josh Kugel, pastor of First Baptist Church of Alignment in Gulfport, Mississippi. Don McDonald, pastor of Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois. I thank you for being with me. Pete Vecchi, associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And I want to thank all of you who listened and hope to see you again next time for Reconciling Grace.